the name of the game is the deals, not the money, because anyone that has money wants to make it work. Hey, it's JP. Hi, it's Excel. And you're listening to Terry Shower on the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. I'm here this week with Terry Collect, alias Terry Collect. I discovered in stalking you that that's not your real last name, but I won't uh, sell the punch early. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Thanks for um, having me. You're welcome. So Thierry has a pretty eclectic background, which I hope you're going to tell us a little bit about before we get into your story. So we always start with the same question, which is tell me a little bit about your journey through life that has led you to real estate and then to be with me on the show today. Yeah, really grateful to be here today. I'm uh, currently living a life that I wouldn't have expected. And uh, yes, real estate is a big part of that. I could say since I was young, I never expected anything else than just surviving. I was raised from a single mother in the Montreal area, uh, living in a small apartment where in uh, your back patio, if you have a garbage, well, you have no space. So that's where it started for me. I saw my mom working double shifts sometimes to make it happen for me and my sister. So uh, the only way for me was to work hard to be able to, yeah, survive. So that's what I learned earlier. Then the first thing that happened that I could say opened my eyes to real estate and made that journey happen is at 21 years old, I had three jobs. I was working seven days a week. I was collecting Visa Desjardins credit cards. That's why collect for me is not just building wealth through active that generates income, but it's also where everything started for me, where I understood credit and how to manage money because I was collecting people from uh, misbehavior and knowledge missing from credit and managing financing. Yeah, it started there. So 21, I have three jobs. So I'm sub-teaching at a high school. I'm working as a personal trainer at Nautilus Plus, which is a fitness center. And I'm collecting at Visa Desjardins. And then one day, my left eye started blinking by itself, nonstop. So that was the sign, the wake-up call to tell me you cannot work for money. Money has to work for you because it's not sustainable to work to 70 hours a week, seven days a week, eating tuna sandwiches in the metro, trying to get to a job from one job to another job every day. Saturday was a big day at Visa Desjardins because people are at home to collect. And Sundays was a big day for me for training at Nautilus. So it was nonstop. And yeah, that was the major turning point where I started learning about how to build wealth and sustain a quality of life. And I read that most people did it through real estate or through business, then invested in real estate. So that's where the click happened. I asked my mom, hey, like I worked hard. I saved money. Like, I think I'm going to go invest in real estate. And she said, no, don't do it. Just keep on going to school, go get good grades and wait to be a teacher and wait for your retirement. So I asked myself, I love my mom, but could a fish climb a tree? Can a fish run? So why are you asking the fish? So that's where I turned into books and asking a lot more questions about real estate. So my first move was at 22. I bought a condo in Laval near the Centropolis, but it wasn't built yet. So I said to myself, I will minimize the risk by having a brand new unit. And I knew I was about to rent to an old person because that area has a lot of old retirement person that needs like quality rents. So that's where it started. So I cash flowed 
$20, but it was the first $20 that worked for me. And that changed my whole perspective of life. And so then, I mean, there's, there's just a lot of stuff there. So maybe before I move on to the next question, which is more about your current business model, like, what do you think it was? I mean, I, th I think it's very, you know, funny that you're, you know, your your alias is uh, Thierry Collect, and that you started one of the things that made lights go off in your head was working at like in collections. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what was it about that that kind of made the lights go on in your head? Because that's a pretty like unique experience. You're you're one of the only investors that I've talked to who like tells me that they worked in a in a collections agency. So basically, I was still in quest of earning more money, and as a teacher, the only opportunity you have to make income is by sub-teaching. There's not much other fields. So then I had this opportunity to make it work with Desjardins. So I had someone that I knew who said, they're hiring. I'm like, I don't have any background in finance. They're like, don't worry. Just if you're serious, they'll take you. So I went to the interview and it started there. But before you start collecting, they give you kind of a training on credit. So that's where I learned like how to manage credit. Because as a young kid, my mom used to tell me, pay your bills or else Equifax is going to knock on your door. So I thought, young kid, that Equifax was like the police to then figure out it's just a credit bureau reporting information and then you have ratios and da na na. And then I did a bid, uh, I would say three or four months in credit analysis also. So instead of collecting, now I was giving credit. So all the dots were connecting. But still, I was exchanging time for money. So when my left eye started blinking, I knew I had to switch whatever I was doing because whatever the recipe was, it wasn't sustainable for me. Mm -hmm. And so then what happened? So you got a condo in Laval. And yeah. then what is the path between that and where you are? Because lots of people buy a condo and they stop at the condo, right? Or they'll buy uh, a condo and then they buy another condo and then that's the end of the story. So then what happened? So remember that I asked my mom and she said, no, don't do it. So I did it without telling no one. Because you know, when you start into something where everybody's an employee, parents that immigrated here, they're only looking for school and grades, right? And just get your job and wait for retirement, get your home and whatever. So once I started that, it was a quiet journey because I had to keep it from myself because I didn't want people to give me negative thoughts on it. But then three years later, I'm 25, but now I want to move out because I needed to be in my space to like, I finished my school. I had my bachelor's in phys ed. I was working as a teacher. I was like, okay, now it's time to go. So I'm starting looking because in life, in a capitalist system, you have two options, pay or collect and I always say I needed to collect. So I was like, I'm going to get to an apartment where the ratios is two for one. So I needed a triplex or a fourplex. So I started looking and then I found a duplex that had three hydro counters. So I'm like, why is that a duplex? But there's three counters. So I went into the city registry of Montreal and then I look up and I see a triplex. I'm like, wow. So that person that used the rez-de-chaussee and basement to do one unit because he had a big family was one wall of gyps away for boosting the value of like a hundred or $150,000. So right away, I jumped on it. I purchased it. I went uh, to get one unit to live and I rented those two units. So that was my second deal. Then I was a teacher. I was earning good money. I had a Mercedes Benz. I was kind of back in the rat race where exchanging time for money, but I wanted to have an impact on youth. 
basketball was the thing that kept me going as a young kid because like I said, my mom was working really hard from four to midnight, midnight to eight. So I was really by myself. So basketball gave me discipline and gave me a path to move forward. So I wanted to give that back as a teacher, as a, as a teacher. But then I realized the factory doesn't want kids to grow at their full potential. They just want the factory to have people that fit in what they see. Uh, we have nine types of intelligence and I didn't feel like we were growing the society that I wanted. So I was like, if I want to make that change, I need to build my own schools. So everything I do is to build schools. So L'Ecole de la Vie in Quebec, School of Life in Florida, Escuela de la Vida in Mexico. When I have all those three countries, North America, I can go to any country to present uh, that best high school where we'll develop kids through learning for real, not teaching, where we'll collaborate and not compete, where we'll have professional learning community, where we'll teach personal growth, social emotional learning. So I had all these ideas in my head, but I was like, I need the funds to make it happen, right? So I was like, let me go back into real estate because I did two great moves. So third move, now I'm like 28, kind of, 29. I looked at a duplex that I purchased 372 in a neighborhood that is selling for 600. Then I'm like, okay, this is too hard to finance on the personal. Like, it cannot be. Like, people don't build empires on personal. Then I looked up about the commercial, started some training, going to the clubs, like, like really getting deep into it. And then I found the 63 unit with some partners that we purchased in Trois-Rivières for 1.4 million. Once I moved the first million, I knew that that kid was now a grown man that can move money, make the money work, collect like there's no tomorrow. So that's where really the scale happened. And then just keep on buying, purchasing. I met uh, Mederic, which is one of my greatest partners that taught me a lot of things about business and how to grow a team. And that's where we really scaled up today. I'm in Punta Cana now buying a condo, a pre-construction one on plans. I uh, purchased a six unit in Mexico. We're more than 225 units in Quebec. So the journey just like started from a single kid that tried to understand how to make the money work to this journey today. Enjoying the episode so far? Have you really been listening to the episode or has your monkey mind been taking you off in one direction or another? Our mental habits can be our biggest assets or our biggest liabilities as we pursue certain goals. For me, the biggest performance gains have always come from training my mind. In my book, Mindful Landlord, I talk about how you can train your mind and how you can apply some of these strategies to your journey in the real estate field. The book is available on Amazon and also on its website, mindfullandlord.com. Now I'll stop evangelizing for the power of mental training and let you get back to the show. So I mean, it's a very interesting story. Um, I don't get too many people on the show who come from that kind of a background. So I think that's that's very, it's great and it's interesting. I want you to tell me more about like the business model now, because so you've, you kind of mapped the trajectory of like, you know, how you got to the point, like a lot of us do, where you realize that the debt ratios are not the best game in town and you have to understand hmm. multi-unit financing, then you have to kind of network in order to like you know, plug some of the holes in your own knowledge. But then tell me what it was like to really build a real estate business, because that's kind of the next step, right? As you go from being like, you know, small time mom and pop investor to being a professional investor. And then after that, you need the business systems and the partnerships that are going to um, make that happen. So what was that like? And how should people proceed if that's what they're trying to do? 
So yeah, so I think the first thing that you said in everything was understand that real estate is a people's game. We're dealing with tenants because whatever amount of units you have, once you open that door, it's a human. I knew that first of all, I needed to build a team because if what, let's say you want to fight someone, you will never use one finger. You want to take your five, put into one and then hit. So it was the same thing for me for real estate and also the link through basketball and what I learned from a team sports, we all have different strengths, but if we put them together, now we're stronger. So I started, first of all, going through that first partnership for the 63 unit where I couldn't have the money by myself. I did put my money in those three first transactions. I had no more funds. So I had to use the partnership. But in that partnership, I wasn't looking for people to complete me. I was just looking for people that could get on board put some money and then start the business. That partnership eventually didn't last because we weren't aligned on mission, vision, and values. Then what I said to myself was, okay, so how can I build a structure where everybody completes itself? So I looked at all the spots that needed to be filled. We need construction. We need investors relation. We need people to prospect good, to send offers, to have system management system because you need to manage those buildings. It's not just buy them. You need, yes, funds. And you also need like financing expert, which was my biggest thing. So I can take any file and know how to finance it and make it happen. So I asked myself, how can I do it? So I started first by saying, I'm going to take care of the management and the financing and the projects. And then I'll look for specific investors that want to create value over, over time in multi-res because that's where I saw the opportunities. So it started like this. I did two or three transactions where I was mainly alone and uh, with some partners that were coming in with funds, but not active on those projects. But then what happened? You're alone in your whole by yourself. So then I'm like almost at 100 units by myself. So now I'm back to that same problem where I have 24 hours. I can't do everything by myself, right? And that's where I met Mederic who opened my eyes into, no, Thierry, we need to build the team. Let's complete each other and let's build together. And that's where the next step started, where everybody has a position. We started having people over to test them, to see if they could work with us, be open with them, help them grow also as investors. So with over about a year, we found the three guys that were missing to build a power team. So today we're five actives. And we have investors also working in our projects. So our model is simple. We take care of everything, one-stop shop. We find the deal, we optimize the deal, we collect the deal, we refinance the deal, and we create value over time. That being said, I also opened my eyes into other collection models where I have now a car rental business also. Because yes, people need to live somewhere, but they need to transport also. And if you understand a bit of the car industry now, you can get a car so easy yeah, so that's where <laughs> yeah that's where the rental is good also and recently the past year i bought a women's gym uh same thing like health is really important women's uh, needs environment where they can feel safe to work out their body their their mind their body and their soul so i jumped into that so always with that same model to collect money while we sleep make it work because that's the only way to build wealth but i wanted also to have an impact all the projects that I had, and I felt it was aligned with the schools and everything I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna save the school for a little bit 
later because I want to mm-hmm. hear about that. I want to hear about that that project and and where you are in in uh, manifesting it. But you know, I I want to press you a little bit on uh, one of the things that came out of Medirik's, uh interview was really this team building aspect. And yeah. you know, uh, having had some partnerships that have worked well, having had some partnerships that have gone sour myself, and I think a lot of people when they're scaling their um, model and they start realizing that they need to have either people who are jumping in investing or else pe- partners who are actually going to actively help them run the business. I think it can be a real challenge to like find the right match, interview people get into business with them in a cautious way. So like, tell me how that happened for you guys, because I feel like it's almost a rare story to hear, you know, like five obviously talented people coming together and like working really well as a team. And it's not like somebody's, you know, ego is taking the front seat or whatever it is. So, so tell me, tell me about that process. Okay. So it started where I met two different people that said to me, I had to speak to that guy who I didn't know at this time who was Medirik, right? One was an investor with, that I dealt with, and the second one was his dad. So I was like, if the dad tells me to speak to his son, like I have to do it, right? So I was like, give me his number, I'll contact him. So he comes to my house, and he brings me a book. Like usually people bring you a bottle or something, but he brought me a book. So that's where already I knew he was probably someone special, right? What was the so book? The, the book was, a, it's a, a personal growth book. I can't remember the name like this, but just remember that, when he brought up that book and it was about self-development, I knew there was something there, right? He had great communication skills, great business mind that I did not have at this time because I was too focused on working inside the business, not growing a business, right? And that's where I think people need to shift. If you're putting all your time in the operations, who's building that business? No one. And if you think of McDonald's or any big business, it's system process and operations. It doesn't rely on one person, right? Because I don't think a shareholder of McDonald's is flipping Big Macs. So we're discussing and we're like, okay, how can we build that great team? He's like, what we're going to do is we're going to have people over and having them cold call with us. We're looking for leads, right? Because the name of the game is the deal, not the funds. I repeat again for people, the name of the game is the deals, not the money. Because anyone that has money wants to make it work. There's inflation, they're printing money. So focus on the deals. And also develop your network to be able to get the funds. But deals were the main focus. So we said, let's bring in anyone that we think could fit in what we want to do. Let's have them, show them how we do it, why we do it. And if their mission, vision, and values are aligned to us, we don't negotiate that, we can bring them on board. So we had, let's say, about 15 people coming in and out. And out of those 15, one guy stood up. His name is Anthony, great guy, and he was there, not asking for nothing, just prospecting, doing the work. He didn't knew a lot, but still made to buy his first six unit with us and just keep going with us. And we said, okay, we have a third partner that could be right with where we need it, and he's good with human relations. So for management, he was the guy. Then when I went into Mexico to get some land, I met people there, investors from Canada that were there trying to do business there. And we found a guy there uh, who was really good at prospecting, analysis, development projects, a great guy also. So when he got back into Canada, he commenced, he went to see us and said, like, let's do it. I want to be part of what you guys do. So that was the, the fourth player. And the fifth one was a um, construction guy that was 
friends with Mederic in uh, elementary school. So they never really did business. Uh, it started with one first project that went so well that we said, hey, I think you're the missing piece for our renovation construction. So do you want to come on board? So I could say to you in a short resume, we were really looking to fill the holes that we thought were necessary to scale the business. We needed someone for financing. We needed someone to prospect, to build up the systems, to make sure the numbers were correctly analyzed. Then we needed someone for management that had great communication with good values aligned to what we wanted. We needed renovations for sure. And we needed relations with investors and a strategic guy, which was Med. So we had the five pieces to scale and we just went together and said, let's go, let's build it where everybody gets a share of everything we do. And that's where I think the ego wasn't an issue because we're all doing business. Nobody's working for no one. We're all growing together. And that's where mm -hmm. I think people should look into if they want to build a team. So having aligned growth objectives. So basically how I see it today with 32 years of experience now of life, first start with when you meet someone, ask them where they want to go. Focus on the address, not the GPS. So once you know where they want to go, then you can think as a team, how can we build something, a mission that will reach everybody's own agenda? Once you have that mission, you need that vision. And once you have that vision, you have to set up the core values of that business to make sure that never those values will be negotiated. And this is how I think is the best way to build a partnership now. So meet that person, get to know them, make sure you know where they want to go. Don't focus on the GPS, really the address. Once that is set, see if you can have a business where the mission, vision, and values are aligned, where everybody grows. So what are those core values for you guys? I'm curious. So first one is radical transparency. If there's something that is not working well or something that you feel that needs to be discussed, don't keep it here. Express it right away. Innovative, creativity. We can't stay in our same practices. We always got to learn, network, go to workshops, and just keep on learning because the day you stop learning is usually the day you die, right? And we also said to ourselves that communication will be a key for us. Yes, be transparent, but also communicate. So everything that is done, we have everything system, everything is made for us to communicate well. If I put a note on file, everybody sees it. So that's the four core values that I think started everything we do. Of course, there's respect, being generous, but those four, I think, were non-negotiable to be able to move forward. Mm -hmm. It's funny because that's exactly what came out of the uh, interview with the Medirik. He was also like very, I don't think I asked him what the values were, but he was like very clear that those were uh, important to you guys. Mm -hmm. um, and so while, while we're talking about values, so tell me about this school project. Have you started on it? Is this like a kind of a dream for later on? Like what do you, how do you, how do you, what do you see this being and, and what are you doing to manifest it? So basically the, the L'Ecole de la Vie, School of Life, Escuela de la Vida is already started the business is already open it's a non-profitable uh, organization for the school i have uh, three other active partners one more passive that helped us through the building of the educational project so i already sent it to the minister of education for uh, have a first draw revision uh, we're looking for actively land or a 
any building that could be redeveloped. We have a strong side going through the earth with nature. So anything that could be close to water, to a park, to some trees, to really bring that ecological part into the school program. So that's where we're looking at. We had the mayor of Repantini that offered us a land, but it couldn't fit more than 83 students. So the project couldn't be realistic. Uh, we're looking at least for 400 students, up to 1,000 students for, from Sec 1 to Sec 5. We're also talking about a private school with an alternative project. No subsidy will be funded by the government, so it's an all-private school, 100% financed by the parents. Eventually, I wanted to build a foundation also to be able to give some spots to parents or families that couldn't afford a school at $12,000 a year, right? So that's where I'm at for Quebec. As far as Florida, I'm going into two weeks to start uh, looking for real estate, make a first move also, and then build the relations for the educational system. Same thing in Mexico. I have my residency. I bought there. And I'm also looking forward in uh, December, January to make some contacts in the educational system. But I feel like the first school will be L'Ecole de la Vie in Quebec. And so what's the mandate of the school? Like what, uh, I mean, it's, it's a pretty ambitious project. Like what exactly is different from, I don't know, let's say, I know there's some schools like let's say in St. Agath or like in the Laurentians that have a very strong like nature focus. Like, so what yeah. other thing is this about? So the concept, the base concept is Ikigai. It's a Japanese word that says wake up and be happy. So what is your motive to wake up every day is to be happy. How to reach it? You need to develop passion, so stuff that you like to do without any concern of the time. Then you need to develop talents that you want or just use your skills, your natural skills that you have. Then once you find passion and talent where most people some kind of like are staying there, they're not thinking about adding value. And this is where I think School of Life, L'Ecole de la Vie or Escuela de la Vida needs to make the flip where don't just get the grades to get paid. Think about adding value because you're paid as much as value you add, not the grades that you have, right? So passion, talent, adding value, and then you will reach your quality of life. And we're not talking about money. We're talking about quality of life because the quality of life that I want to live, that you want to live, or anyone could be different. So that's the main focus on the school. Therefore, how to reach that ikigai for every student to be happy every day. We need stop to stop teaching. School of life will not teach kids will learn. That's a different perspective from what has been done here currently in our factory system, as I call it, because it was created to fill up industries like in 1800s, right? Next level of action will be professional learning community. Now, what do we have? We have the school system going one way, we have the city going one way, and we have the community going one way. And as an investor, you live it, right? You buy a project, you think you can do an eight unit, then the city tells you you can only do two. You're like, but wait, you had an article saying that we're missing apartments. We have tenants saying that they can't find apartments, but then you don't let me build those apartments. So by having everyone in the same project, I think we can have an impact uh, building the youth, right? Because us 1% that are walking alive, happy, if we're together, we can impact the 91%. So I was like, okay, professional learning community is great. I visited Stevenson High School in Chicago, and they applied it, and I could see the difference where you come into the school, everybody says hi to you. Just that little piece, I was like, wow. Like, people are actually eye-contacting you, not just walking with their phones and in their own bubble. Like, 
this community was built. And also I would say social emotional learning. Most of our conflicts or problems are linked to that. Our personal growth, leadership, confidence, negotiations, and all that stuff, but also how to manage, like, how do you manage judgment of others at a young age? How do you manage, like, problems with your parents, relations, like, everything that could be built inside you that could put you out of different ways? I feel like social emotional learning is not part of the school system now. So I would say those are the main three focus that I think will make our school different. And also, like, the nature side, we want to be green as much as possible but not just having a like just one club that makes some activities like we want to grow stuff make them cook it like we want to build some stuff where we can really grow a community where the values are aligned to the society that we want to make interesting that's very it's very interesting all right we're coming up on uh not having a lot more time in the interview um, i'm going to ask you the last question that we ask people which is Tell me about something that we should be talking about that nobody's talking about in the real estate industry. A tenant is a client. Your client, you need to add value and give service. I feel today, what is preached, go to refinancing, create wealth. But I don't think there's much about the value of just genuinely taking care and adding value to the people. This part makes some actions that sometimes we look at the newspaper and we're talking about renovations. We're talking about tenants that get letters or bully offers. So I would say this is one thing that needs to be discussed where a tenant could be anyone from your family. Like I explained my story. When I was 12, if an investor would have bought the building where I was living and did some stuff like that, I don't think I could be here today, right? So that's one thing, like relation with the tenants as clients. I'm not saying to do anything for them and like, like you need to put a structure for management, but genuinely create a link with them and add value. That's one thing that is not discussed a lot, I feel. It's one thing. And the second thing is the interest rate. The interest rate influence the market. They don't dictate it. So stop saying interest rates are going up Yes, it's part of a cycle. It's part of the game. You need to adapt your game and play into that field. It's like saying, oh, today I'm playing hockey, but it's outside and it's minus 19. Okay, but it's still hockey. Yes, it's more comfortable to play if it's minus four, but it's still hockey. I'm playing basketball, I have a Wilson ball. Yes, I'd rather have that Spalding, but it's still basketball. So... Those are the two things that I could share right now. And the third one would be international investing is great, but do your homework. Don't just buy. Do your homework. Take a flight. Go see the land. Go see the projects. Ask some questions. I see people investing and I ask them a few questions, but they have no idea. Like, take time to go see the projects and understand the market. Even in Quebec, you don't know that market? Go speak to the guy at the Depanneur. He's going to tell you all about the neighborhood. And the tenants, like take time to understand your market. Don't go to a market just because it's cheaper than Montreal. Understand where you're going. Understand the challenges that will be there. So those will be the three things that I think should be more discussed. More discussed. Thank yeah. you. Um, so Thierry, I want to really thank you for uh, taking the time to chat with me today and, and share uh, you know, your knowledge with our listeners. 
what's the best way for people to connect with you if they want to learn more about what you do? Instagram, TikTok, Thierry Collect, Facebook, LinkedIn, a bit more professional, Thierry Joubert. But uh, yeah, so uh, social TikToker. media is the best way. A yes. TikToker, what do you know? <laughs> I, actually, I don't know much. Like I said, I have my strengths. So I have a community manager that takes care of it. So uh, if you want to ask me questions about the TikTok, I'll refer you to her. But it's just having different ways to connect with people and just spread that mentality where if you want to build wealth, you need to collect. You cannot just pay because they're printing money and inflation is in your back. So two options for you in a capitalist system, pay or collect. And I want to inspire people to build wealth and collect. Thank you, Thierry. Thank you, Thierry. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, remember to give us a rating, leave a comment, subscribe, and share. You can find Terry at terryshower.com. Her book, Mindful Landlord, is available on Amazon. You can also follow her on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. JP is the president of the Real Estate Investors Club. You can learn more about the club's networking and educational activities on Facebook by searching for Real Estate Investors Club. Look to the show notes to find information on our guests and links to material mentioned in the episode.